Good morning, High Desert Word Center. How is everybody on this beautiful October Sunday morning? Amen. Who is glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Praise God. Well, we had an awesome time last night having a worship night at our Midtown Chapel location. Who was there with us last night? Wasn't that great? Amen. All right. Well, a lot of good stuff coming up with that, so we'll uh, we'll make sure to keep you in the loop. But it was a powerful evening. Hey, we're going to open up this morning. I'm going to talk for just a few minutes here um, about the nation of Israel. I don't know if anybody watched the news at all yesterday, but uh, some pretty major things taking place that... As Christians, uh, we should be aware of and we should discuss. I don't want to ignore this as a church. So as, uh, as some of you probably saw, as of yesterday, Israel is officially at war uh, with the Palestinian terrorist group Hamas. And, uh, you know, we're used to seeing uh, a lot of conflict in that region. Uh, if you've, you know, if you you know, follow the news at all. There's always something going on. But um, actually, they have not officially been at war with anybody since 1973. And this is an official war. Uh, they voted on it in their security cabinet yesterday. So this is a really big deal. And, um, you know, in our sheltered western corner of the world, the easy thing is to say, hey, so what? And, and move on from it. But as Christians, we're not allowed to do that. You know what I mean? As Christians, uh, there's some things that we have to care about, stand up for, and pray about. And so uh, there's a few things I'm going to briefly say about this for us. But number one is that Israel is God's possession. And that land belongs to the Jewish people. That land has been fought over for millenniums. Uh, but the truth of the matter is God uh, promised that to Abraham and his descendants. And if you look at a map, it's interesting. The entire nation is so tiny. It's about the size of the state of New Jersey. That's the entire, that's the entire country there. And you see all these other Arab nations that are massive, that are 10, 20, 50 times bigger. And they're all fight over this one little speck of land. And it's this one little speck of land that God said, no, this belongs to Abraham and his descendants. And in fact, in Genesis 15, 18, God literally said, Abraham, I will assign this land to your descendants. And that was a covenant that God made and God is not going to break his covenant. And so they're fighting over it. Uh, it was an unprovoked attack, but know this much, Israel, that land belongs to God and to the Jewish people. And number two, I think it's also, you know, sometimes again, when we're being kind of lazy Christians, uh, we don't realize some of these things, but everything that happens in Israel uh, is linked to the end times and to the return of Jesus. And I don't profess to be an absolute expert on eschatology, though, you know, we do preach about it and I'm not afraid to go there, but I don't say that I know everything about it, but I know this much. This war is huge news and could very well have direct implications to the return of Jesus Christ. And I, and I don't just say, you know, random flippant things, but that, that's the truth of the matter. And I remember last year when Russia invaded Ukraine, uh, we talked about it. And I, I remember uh, saying uh, that, you know, that was huge news because Russia is an end times player, but some more big things will be coming down the pike. And I believe that this is one of those really big things. And so what does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? Well, I can, I don't know about your life, but for me, I'm not going to be a lukewarm Christian right now. 
<laughs> I'm not. I'm going to stay planted in the word of God and in the house of God. My rear end is going to be in church every time it can be in here. According to Hebrews 10, 25, it says, do not forsake the assembling, the joining, the coming together of the saints. And he says to warn each other, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Hebrews 10, 25, mark it down. And, and so... It's vitally important, vitally important that we take the word of God seriously and that, uh, that you get, that we all stay serious about the Lord right now, because this is huge news. And I'm not the type of guy that's going to say, I guarantee blah, blah, blah. I will guarantee. I'm not going to say that, but uh, I will say this is huge. And I believe that the return of Jesus is near and Jesus said, be ready. Keep your eyes to the skies. Be ready because he is coming back soon. And the, and the last thing I'll say about this is we are told to pray for Israel and to pray for Jerusalem. Psalm 122.6 tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And that's exactly what's being attacked right now. And so let's stand up together this morning. We're getting ready to do our confession over the United States of America. And I love America. Amen. I am a extremely proud citizen of the United States of America. I've been all over the world and this is my favorite place. But as a Christian, I love Israel, and it is so important that we do our Christian duty and obey the Word of God to pray for them, because you know that this this could spread. You know, this, this may not just be an isolated thing. So let's pray for Israel this morning, and then uh, we'll move on with our service, but we were not going to ignore this piece of news because it's too big. Amen? So let's let's pray this morning. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we lift up the nation of Israel to you right now, Lord, and the Hebrew people, the Jewish people. And Lord, we know that uh, they're, they're, they're sitting on land that belongs to them because you gave it to them, Lord. And so it doesn't matter what anybody else's opinion is. It doesn't matter who else lays claim to it. Lord, you said it was theirs. And so I say in the name of Jesus that we are going to see uh, the, we're going to see Israel prevail in this situation. It it doesn't matter who's against them because clearly, according to your word, you are for them. And so in the name of Jesus, we, we do, as you said, you told us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And so Lord, this morning we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray that, that, that your will would be done in this situation and that your people would prevail. And I pray that the United States would stay connected in their support of Israel and that they would not back down from this. They wouldn't cave to any international political pressures or anything like that, but that we would keep our commitment to them and that we would have their back because if we turn our back on them, we know that that could be detrimental to the future of the United States. And so, Lord, help our leaders to stay committed to them. And we pray for peace and deliverance and victory for Israel, the apple of your eye. In the name of Jesus, we claim victory this morning. In Jesus' name, can somebody say amen? amen? All right. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We're going to go ahead and speak some words of faith over this nation, the United States of America. And then we're going to do a little meet and greet time so you can find somebody and say hello to them. Let's go ahead and speak these words of faith together. 
Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise today. All right, we're going to take a few minutes this morning to go do a little meet and greet time. So find somebody, give them a high five, handshake, fist bump, great big hug. Spread the love today. Let's go.
welcome to church. It's good to see you, family. Last night was worship night at Midtown. That was awesome. Who was there? It was awesome. The Lord showed up. It was great. We have some pictures of worship night at Midtown. That was just so beautiful. Yes, amen. So beautiful. Amen. I got to be in the nursery because over half of the nursery had my last name. So, <laughs> so we worked that out. But there were uh, 14 kids in that nursery, and of them, only four were too old to actually be in a nursery class. Okay. So we kind of giggled. We said, well, without even trying, right? Like, that church was just full of the presence of God, Amen. full of life, full of kids, so excited to be a part of that. It was beautiful. Praise God. Well, now uh, Miss Leah and Miss Yvette are going to talk to us about Enrich, yes. the food ministry program that is going there. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Yeah. Good morning. So um, if I haven't met you yet, my name's Leah Johnston, and this is Yvette Schneider. And I am the director of the Enriched Food Program over at um, Midtown. Yes. <laughs> had to stop. I know. <laughs> um, a little bit of history about the pantry. It started in 2010, and from 2010 until today, we have been feeding thousands. Yes, amen. And um, we started giving 20 bags a week. Um, to people in need. We popped that up to 25. Uh, a few years ago, right before the pandemic, um, we decided to move the pantry from where it was in the little location uh, downstairs, where you guys were last night, to um, an area that used to be the school. And we have expanded the pantry. I'm looking to expand it into another room because that's where all the extra food is at right now and um, we give out they pack not only is Yvette our shopper she is also the head packer along with several other people her husband Ray um, Barbara and Brian Blakely Nancy um, so we have people who pack and we are now packing 40 bags wow. three Amen. microwave awesome. bags and we also have these bags here. These are called a blessing bag. And the purpose of the blessing bag is to have it available on Sundays for people to come and take a bag and take it out to someone who's homeless. Inside the bag we have, what do we have? I'm going to let Yvette tell you what's in the bag because she packs them. No. There's a lot in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot in here. Um, but these are things that we can use weekly. There's several flavors of these little um, tuna salad packs. There's the little chicken packs. Uh, there's mini, the mini Vienna. I know some of it's not very healthy. It's, but it's what we have and what we can afford. We have the mini... Pork and beans. They have cereal. We, when we have it, I like to add milk with, so they'll have it for 
always bottled water, uh, a little juice, always snacks, crackers, peanut, little peanut butter and jellies, and cookies. We, we just put what we can. Even, like, Leah, when she goes to Feeding America, she'll buy, um, like, you show up, and they just have this snack box filled with just stuff. You don't even know what's in it. But when you empty it, 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 it's like unending. It's unending. You think you're getting halfway through and you're not. But all that stuff gets added in and it's great. You know, um, it really blesses a lot of people. It, it blesses our, it blesses our people too that are yes. working it. We get to just see, just watching them, watching their face and their appreciation. So. Thank you for that. There's another something important coming up. Yeah. Okay, so we do our blessing bags, and what we would like to do and what I talked to Pastor Dave about is right now what they have on them is um, the River of Life logo, and what we're going to do is we're going to change that logo, of course, to High Desert Word, and we'll have some here for you guys and some at Midtown, and then you can get your bags and take them out. Because we all know on Sunday afternoons when we leave church, we go somewhere to eat, there's always somebody who's hungry. Yeah. So that's what these bags are for. We also have microwave bags for people who maybe live in a hotel. They don't have a stove or an oven available. And the food that's in the microwave bag is easy with a microwave or not. You know, it depends on who they are. And then in our weekly bags, we put... Um, Always some kind of protein. We're short on protein right now, so we have some canned pork, which we'll be giving out this next week. Um, we put peanut butter, jelly, cereal, if we have it, the, the uh, carton milk, um, soup, spaghetti, spaghetti sauce. We try to give them something that can create four or five meals. Okay. The pantry is available to anybody in need. Mm-hmm. Um, they can come once a month for pantry, and they can come once a month for USDA commodities, which come on the third Thursday. And we've had people um, who have helped us pack. Um, Melinda. Melinda, <laughs> Melinda Dylan, uh, the, the churches have helped us. Yeah. So, you know, we love having help, especially on that third Tuesday. It is crazy okay. over there. And... Um, and I want to open the door for anybody here who would like to help us with pantry. Yeah. If you're interested, um, my number, I don't know if I put my, we didn't put my number up, did we? No. Um, we'll get, I'll get my number out. You guys can reach out yeah. to me. Um, you can leave your name and number at the info booth, and there I can get go. that information. <laughs> Amen. Good idea. Um, <laughs> For many years, our pantry was known as um, the uh, the neighborhood pantry. In January twelfth of nineteen of nineteen of twenty twenty one, my husband, who was a director, um, passed from COVID, and uh, my daughter came up with the term "enriched," and that is where the pantry name comes from now in honor of Pastor Rich. He was the assistant pastor at River of Life. Mm -hmm. 
it's an honor for me to carry on his legacy. And, and it's a huge legacy. Yes. Now, the big thing coming up, I know you guys have the, the carnival. Is that what it's called? Carnival? Harvest Fest. Yeah. Harvest Festival coming up. Once that's over, though, I have put a few of these flyers on the back table. We can get more. We do a thing called Turkey on the Table. Last year, we gave out 100 Thanksgiving bags. Yes. The bags included turkey and all the fixings. Cranberries, mashed potatoes, stuffing, pumpkin pie mix. Some of them had evaporated milk. Those are the things we're looking at to put in the bag. I went to Feeding America on Thursday after pantry, and we picked up a whole lot of stuffing. We never know what they're going to have, but I bought the stuffing, so we have lots of stuffing. But everything else for turkey on the table is still needed. Um, this year, Feeding America actually has turkeys. I put our name in the in the drawing. I don't know if we'll get them or not, um, but we would like to surpass our 100 yeah. tur- uh, turkey tables Amen. this year. Yeah. We would love to Amen. surpass yeah. that. And anything extra at Thanksgiving always goes into the holiday bags, which we also give out. And um, we're just so blessed to do that because sometimes it's hard to remember that there are people in need. Mm-hmm. You know, we go home, we go into our houses, we lock our doors, we turn on our TV, and we kind of forget. Mm-hmm. And if you want your eyes opened, show up on Thursday morning at 10 o'clock and see how many people are yeah. in need at the pantry so um, we will be giving out the turkey on the table on the 21st of November which is the Tuesday before Thanksgiving we will also be doing holiday bags on the Thursday before Christmas so we did 100 turkey bags and we did 75 holiday bags last year let's top that this year Yeah, any help we can get Yvette wants to say something. (laughs) Um, We really could use help. Okay, I won't take long. It's just, okay, like coming up will be commodities. Uh, It's every third Wednesday, but we do the packing. No, it's every, yeah. Every third Tuesday, we do all the packing. That's when the truck comes. And I'm telling you, the people that showed up last time, we killed it. Yeah. I mean, wait. And that was such a blessing. If that could keep happening, yeah. praise God. Because, Amen. you know, it it was so helpful. And the one with the muscles we had, Dylan, Alex. Uh, he's I right mean, there. They're yeah. just like, oh, <laughs> Yes, yeah. it was just so appreciated. And their spouses, they're just so appreciated. Amen. And I just want to say thank you again. Amen. Oh, and Tina, is that Tina? Yeah. 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 Yes. Yes. yeah, there we go. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Amen. Yes. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So what what I want you to know is that it's not just a, in the past, a river of life thing. The money doesn't just come from river of life. Um, we go down, we do our shopping at Feeding America. We get stuff at a discount from them. 
but they don't always have stuff. Over the last couple years, we have seen very, very bare shelves, and we've had to go out and buy stuff ourselves at full cost. We get Panera every Wednesday night. Somebody in our in our group picks up Panera, and so we have breads and goodies to give out, sometimes a lot, sometimes not very much. We also have a gentleman who picks up, um, what are they called? The donuts. Krispy Kreme. Juan picks up Krispy Kreme every week, and he brings them to us, you know, and, and we'll have enough to give out for a couple of weeks. We also pick up from Dollar General. We get their stuff on a weekly basis. So there's a, and we, oh, I don't want to forget the Seventh-day Adventist Church. When they uh, have their pantry twice a month, they bring us whatever they have left over. Okay. So it truly is a community thing. It just happens to be taking place at the Midtown Chapel. There you go. So I know we probably went over our You're time. Fine. I'm so sorry. But thank you guys very much. Amen. All right. Awesome. So you know what she just said, right, is leave your name and number at the info booth. Kathy's standing there. I'm sure Kathy will find a piece of paper because we didn't set up a sign-up sheet. And you can put your name and your phone number there, and we will send you a text message this week with um, how to get in contact so that you can be a part of what God is doing there. Amen. And... Any extra stuffing, you know, when you're going through the grocery store and you're going to buy stuffing or you're going to buy sweet potatoes or whatever it is you're going to do for Thanksgiving or for harvest time, just buy a second one. There you go. And then in November, we'll just pile it all here and deliver it. Yeah. Great. So we can all be a part of that, which I think is awesome. Yes. Because as a church family, it's been something we've done on the missions board, like, Hey, we gave this month. And so I don't want to undermine sowing a financial seed somewhere, but sometimes in sowing a financial seed, you miss out on being a part of what God is doing there. You get the harvest and you get the reward, but you miss out getting to touch and be a part of what God is doing. So don't miss this opportunity. Okay. I'm really excited about it. Really, really excited. Praise God. Um, the intentional parenting class is in full swing yes. second week this week. So Sunday nights from four to five thirty right here and childcare is provided. Mm-hmm. If you haven't signed up yet, it's not too late. Or if you signed up and you didn't actually register or follow through, this is your sign. This is me holding you accountable. Amen. Get to the parenting class. You know, you've been praying about it anyway. In addition to that, women's meeting is this Friday. Women's meeting is this Friday. And we are continuing our study of women in the Bible. And we kicked off with Ruth last time. And I'm sure we're going to have to follow that up a little bit because we were all super into it. So please make sure to be there this Friday, 630 Victory Hall. What food are we bringing? Soup, salad, dessert, and drinks. Soup, salad, dessert, and drinks this Friday, 6.30. And that means if Betty's in here, can we make a request for some Napa salad? Is that a thing? Some of y'all, when we have get-togethers, there's things that you make, you know. So if you have a signature salad, 
That's what we want this Friday. I keep tabs of who in this church makes what and how good they make it, okay? So I know who I'm going to for enchiladas. I know who I'm going to for a good soup and salad. It's true. So I may be at the women's meeting just to say hi to you ladies, okay? <laughs> just to say hi, okay? Sure it is. Sure it is. Anyway, praise God. Women's is this Friday. Amen. Pastor Dave might be there. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Praise God. Harvest Fest is coming. Yeah. And they've almost met their budget, which I'm just phenomenally excited about Thank because you, all I had to do with it, you know, sometimes when you look at your own budget and you're believing God, sometimes you have to just cover the numbers a little bit in order to pray right. Yeah. And so this year when they said 6,000, I went, in Jesus name. <laughs> Okay, praise the Lord. And they'll do a lot of amazing things. But this year, I haven't had anything to do with those numbers. So I've just been able to just thank the Lord. And it's gone so well and so fast. So one of their final fundraisers is breakfast burritos. So breakfast burritos, you can sign up for them today through Wednesday the 18th. So whenever you're at service or if you want to get some orders from your buddies at work or whatever, that's fine too. But they're going to do breakfast burritos, sausage or bacon is $6. And then both sausage and bacon is $7. And you can get them on Sunday, October 22nd. But here's the deal. The rest of us who aren't thinking of signing up for breakfast burritos right now are going to forget that this is happening. And then when we come in on Sunday, October 22nd, we're going to have a hard time focusing on Jesus because it's going to smell like bacon. <laughs> I'm just saying, Amen. you've got two weeks to sign up for breakfast burritos. Just go ahead and do it so that when you come on the 22nd, we can pay attention to Jesus. Amen. Okay. Praise the Lord. We also need candy. candy. Um, someone for the children's department ordered a box of candy from Amazon. Ooh. And I don't even think they're there today, so I can't actually, they're not here today, so I can't heckle them. But anyway, they put it on the children's side, and I saw it, I saw it, and I felt quite sad until Wednesday when, uh, when some of, some of the people who love me enough to bring candy for the youth side brought some candy for the youth side. Praise the Lord. Yes. And all of the youth agreed to putting what they would normally sew into their youth trips into the Harvest Fest buckets. Oh, wow, okay. So listen, it's a thing, okay? Bring candy, bring coins, put it on this side. <laughs> that children's director, her microphone is muted right now. Anyway, praise God. Pray for her. Put the candy on my side. Anyway, they're going to need a lot of us to yeah. be a part of what God's doing on the night of Harvest Fest. And it's very important to me on the administrative side of church to make sure that you are well-trained, that you are well-able, and most importantly, that you're full of the love of God. Because this is our opportunity to get people on the property and show them the love of God, which is what actually gets people saved.
okay? You know, shouting at them that you're going to go to hell is not going to get people saved. Makes people scared and then they buy fire insurance. We don't want that. We want their lives changed and their families restored. And we're going to do that by you handing them bean bags and them throwing the bean bags and you chatting about their life and connecting. And they're like, ooh, I want what they have. And then they show up and get connected with a family that will love them and help them. Cool? So... There are a hundred ways that you can be involved. You can be involved at the registration table and just hand out paperwork. You can be involved with packing baskets or counting tickets or handing out bean bags. You know, there's a hundred things you can do. So if you would put your name and phone number on that sheet and the enriched sheet in the back, we will make sure to get you involved. And then we'll have a training session on a Wednesday night, uh, Wednesday night service. And then we also do one on a Tuesday so that you can get all the information you need and we can get all the paperwork that we need for an event of that size. Amen. Cool? We'll stay organized and stay in unity and do it all for Jesus. Awesome? Praise the Lord. Well, if you are with us for the very first time today or the first time in a long time, can you wave at me? Anybody? Okay. It's so good to have you. Miss Heather here is going to bring you some information about the church. You kind of have an idea of how loud and crazy we are already. So we're like this normally. We're glad to have you. Welcome to the family. And if you bring that card to the info booth after service, we have a gift for you that also includes some free coffee. Yeah. Amen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. All right. Well, I'm going to have Mrs. Pastor come on up this morning. Oh, okay. Nope. If this is about candy again, I'm Can we get Pastor and Mrs. P to come up here, please, too? So, for those of you that don't know, today is Pastor Appreciation Day. You thought we didn't remember. I thought she was coming up to whine about candy. That's what I thought. Really? Do you? That hurts me that she would think I would only be about the competition. We know who the sore loser is over here, okay? I'm just saying. So, in order to show appreciation for how you guys lead us, how you guys are an example for us, how you pray for us, and you stand in the gap for us, and all of the wonderful things that you do, and the blessings that you are to all of our lives. And I know I don't just speak for myself. I know I could have anybody out there stand up, and they would testify to who you guys are, to what you have done for their lives and their families and their walk with God. We wanted to honor you today. So this is Pastor Dave and Pastor Katie's basket. So it's got some of your favorite things in there. Um, this one is for Mrs. P and Pastor. So, uh, <laughs> hey, there's a amp there. She asked me yesterday about t-shirt sizes, and I thought that was weird. So I'm going to show you what she did. It says, Pastor... Because hardcore devil stomping ninja isn't an official job title. Okay. <laughs> it says pastor because ninja stomping, or wait, what is devil it? Stomping. Devil stomping ninja isn't an official job title. And then yours and Mrs. P's, you did. Can you hold that up? It says pastor, not a miracle worker, but I can lead you to someone who is. Yes. So, did you want to say something? I just 
just want to ask you all just to stand up and let's honor our pastors. Let's just give them a round of applause and just thank them. Because we got some awesome pastors at HGWC, right? Well, you may be seated. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. Whoopee. Hallelujah. Well, guess what time it is? It's happy time. So if you need an envelope for your giving, raise your hands, and our ushers will be more than happy to give you with an envelope today. Envelope, envelope, depends on what part of the nation you're from, how you pronounce the words. Kind of like tomato and tomato, potato and potato, you know, that kind of thing. Okay, today... Um, my verse for the for our tithe and offering verse today is found in Isaiah 48, verses 17 and 18. And I'm in the New King James today. Hallelujah. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit. Now, prophet's not an ugly word. It's not a bad word. Psalms 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. God wants us to have all of our needs met. But not only that, the word of God says he gives us the desires of our heart. And what's so cool about God is he puts the desires in us and he kind of tricks us and he thinks, okay, now go ask me. And so then you ask him for the desire that he already put in your heart, and he brings it to pass just like that. I don't have time today to tell you all the cool stuff the Lord's done in my life. A lot of it's about horses, but I won't, because Pastor Dave said, be short, Mom. I said, okay, he's got a lot to do today. But anyway, it's not, an, uh, it's not a dirty word when the Lord says he wants to bless us. He wants to teach us how to prosper. He wants us to have more than enough. Why does he want us to have more than enough so that we can give to others? Amen. Just like the enriched pantry. We get more than enough. We give it away. Hallelujah. And I won't tell you the story about all my rich neighbors who are flooding me with stuff. And I'm coming in here and I'm passing it all out. So anyway, he teaches us to profit. Who leads you by the way that you should go. So anyway, um, tonight I want to give a push for Pastor Samples is doing a series on uh, God's financial plan. And he and Josh and Julie are tag teaming tonight. So that ought to be, if you've never been to a tag team service, it's going to be super good. Pastor's going to be teaching. He's going to turn it over to Josh and Julie, and it's going to be great. It's going to be how to, how to plan a budget. And budget's not a, not a nasty or ugly word either. You know, you need to learn how to handle your money. So do not miss tonight. Amen. All right. So let's say our financial, stand up and say our financial faith confession, and then we'll come on up and bring your tithes and offerings. Hallelujah. All right. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so that I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously into the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Amen. One thing I got to say. How old are you, Joshua? I'm 30. He'll be 40. He'll be 40. He's my, he's my, I don't know. I have to go down the list and count what number son he is. But anyway, Josh is 40 years old. His wife is Julie over here in the lovely red, yellow dress. And their house is paid for. So if you want to learn how to live in a paid for house, have all your bills done, gone and out of here, be here tonight.
just been for you. One person paid a lot everything to come and find you. To me, that's worthy. The fact that he chases us down, the fact that he doesn't stop, he's knocking on our hearts every day. He's there the minute that you call out. He never fails. He never fails. I don't know if you guys understand that. He never fails. He's always, always on time. Arms wide open. Forgiveness, love, acceptance, redemption. That's worthy. So as we're singing this, think about why he's worthy. Think about what he's done for you. Think about what he's doing for you. Think about what he's going to do for you. But think about how amazing he is. That he is worthy just because he is. All right, here we go. Isn't he worthy? Isn't he, isn't he worthy? Isn't he worthy? Isn't he, isn't he worthy? Yes, he is. Our God is worthy. Isn't he worthy?
Yes, he is the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. There is nobody like him. There's nobody even anywhere close to him. And yet somehow, by the grace of God and the love of God, he allows people like us to come directly into his presence. And to even uh, it's just astounding that he even lets us be around him. But it's his love and his grace. And I love it that the Bible tells us that if we need help, if we need mercy, we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Amen. We can come right into his presence and be with him and we will obtain it. And so let's raise our hands for just one more minute this morning. Father, we love you and we praise your name today. And Lord, we are grateful that by your grace, by your mercy, by your love, you allow us to be a part of your family, Lord. You call us sons, you call us daughters. And we thank you, Jesus, that we get to be a part of the family of God. And this morning, as we open up our Bibles, as we get into the word of God for a few minutes, Lord, I pray that we would have soft hearts, that we would have open ears to hear what the spirit of God is saying to us today. And I thank you, Jesus. Today is a game changer. Today is a day, Lord, that we go to that next level in you. And we are growing because faith comes when we hear the word of God. Thank you, Jesus, for today being a day of overwhelming victory in our lives. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Can somebody give him a shout of praise today? Amen. Yeah. Isn't the Lord good? Hallelujah. Well, you can make your way to your seats there this morning. You give somebody a nice little high five or something like that on the way there. But, uh, you know, just make sure you don't get too caught up. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Well, we're going to get into the Word of God this morning. Amen. I am super excited because we have been speaking the last few weeks about a wonderful Bible hero named Joshua. And uh, we're doing a series called The Son of None. And that's because Joshua uh, is the son of none. His father was a man named None. And so the Bible refers to him as the son of none. And uh, it's been an exciting series. Has anybody learned anything so far? You've been encouraged a little bit. Amen. Well, if you need an outline for the sermon today, raise your hand. The ushers will give you an outline to follow along with. But what we've been doing is starting in Joshua 1 and just kind of going forward a little bit and learning some of what uh, the Lord was doing in the life of Joshua. Because I have found that Joshua's life, okay, it seems to be very applicable to all of our lives. And, and, and we see that he's in a place where he's taking over for Moses uh, after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, and he has the responsibility to take the people that final step into the promised land. And that's exactly what we're going to be looking at today. We have looked at Joshua 1 and 2, and today we're going to be in Joshua chapter 3. And this is the, the moment that they cross the Jordan River and get into the land that God promised them, and that is the land that's still being fought over as of today in 2023. Amen. We talked about that this morning. And so there's been a, a thousands of year fight over this land. But yet again, out of the Bible this morning, we're going to see that this was the promised land for the Jewish people. But even uh, to apply it to our lives today, you need to know that God has a promised land for your life. Does somebody believe that today? There's a promised land for you. Amen. God has something for you. And it's 
It's time that we rise up in faith and claim and obtain what is ours in the name of Jesus. And so last week, just to very quickly recap, last week we saw how uh, Joshua, uh, he gets to the edge of the promised land just like Moses did. Well, when Moses got there, he sent in 12 spies and that didn't go real great because only two of them came back with a good report and 10 of them said, it's beautiful, but we'll never take it. And so when Joshua gets to that exact same place, he only sends in two spies this around because he found out the first go go around that it only takes two. Amen. You got two good people of faith. Praise God. You don't need everybody else's opinion. And so where we're at this week is when they are at the place 40 years in the making 40 years in the making where they can finally get into the promised land, but it's going to take some faith and some obedience. And so that's what we're going to get into this morning. And we're going to look at three key points about how they got into the promised land and how you are going to get into your promised land. Is anybody excited this morning to see the word of God? Yes. Amen. All right, let's go. Number one, I'm just going to jump right in. Number one this morning that they learned, and this is for us too, is Number one, follow your spiritual leaders. Follow your spiritual leaders. And we're going to look at Joshua 3. That's going to be the main place we're going to be at today. So uh, keep, you may want to keep a bookmark there for the few other times we flip around. But Joshua chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 4. And so it's, we're going to see a few interesting things regarding uh, the spiritual leaders, the priest in this specific story, the priest and Joshua, uh, that the Lord is having these guys follow. And And who knows that you need a spiritual leader? I know that I need one. Amen. I'm not stupid. I know that, that there God, God has a system set up. Amen. Where, where he's the ultimate boss, uh, uh, but he has people that he has ordained to be in our lives as spiritual leaders. And again, I'm not stupid. I know that. And I follow it, man. I, I've got the pastor. I've got my dad. I, I, I follow the lead. Amen. And so Joshua chapter three. Starting at verse one, uh, this is a very huge moment right here. It says early the next morning, Joshua and all the children of uh, Israel, all the Israelites left Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about a half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the Ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. All right, so what do we have here? These are some pretty detailed instructions from Joshua. And, you know, I'm not personally a detailed type of guy. Uh, you know, you can ask my wife. She's a detailed person. I'm not. You know, I'm just like, hey, let's go, brother. And and, and so, uh, I, but I know this much, okay? When the promised land is on the line, 
I want the details. I don't want to screw this up again because the last time it cost 40 stinking years. Amen? And uh, you do the math. Uh, two 40-year mistakes, you don't have a lot of time left to make another 40-year mistake, do you? I mean, unless you're just really healthy, uh, you're probably not going to get another crack at that to, to do something like this. And so this is huge. When the promised land is on the line, I want the details, I want the instructions, and I am going to follow them. Amen. And so Joshua right here, he has them lined up to follow the priests into the water. And so you need to know that God has directed you to a spiritual leader. It's the truth. And, and, and some people think they don't need a spiritual leader. But if guys like Joshua and Caleb needed a spiritual leader, then I'm going to just tell you right now, you need a spiritual leader because you're awesome. You're beautiful. You're smart. You're talented, but you're probably not any stronger than Joshua and Caleb were. Is that a fair thing to say? Was that insulting to anybody? I don't think that was insulting. I think if Joshua and Caleb were so strong in the Lord that they could do what they did, but they still needed to submit to leadership, I know that I need to submit to leadership. And God has some people in my life to help lead me along the right way. Now, there's a key phrase in verse 4 that cannot be overlooked. I cannot stress this enough. And I have said this verse many times lately to a lot of people, but notice that Joshua tells the people, you have never traveled this way before, or the, the, the King James says, you have not passed this way before. And if you're going to get into the promised land, I promise you now, a promise for your promised land. You're going to have to overcome some things. You're going to have to go through some paths and go some ways that you have never been through before. Guarantee you. But guess who has been through it? God, right? God's been there. And a whole lot of the time, he will line you up with leaders that have gone that way before. I believe in this. Who believes right now that God knows more than you and that he has placed people into your life that probably know a little bit more than you know? I found this out. Amen. I found it out. And it's it's helping me so much. And so Pastor Katie and I, we submit to my parents as pastors. I've got another incredible mentor that I'm getting ready to fly out and go see in a couple of weeks. A man, Gerald Brooks, is a mentor to Pastor Katie and I. He's got a great church in Plano, Texas. But I'm going three, four times a year. I'll fly to him just to get a couple of hours with him because he's gone through some things that I've never gone through and he's pastored through some things. He's been through some things that I haven't been through. And I'm like, I need to know what he has to say. Amen. And so in your life to get to the promised land, there is a, uh, an angle. There is a portion of submission that's gonna take place. Because guess what? If you've got so much pride that you're a know-it-all, when you cross the Jordan and get in there, the giants are going to smack you around, steal your lunch, and pop the bag in your face. They're going to bully you around. You can't handle it because your pride is too big. But when you get to a level to say, you know what, Lord, you've got 
leaders that you have placed in my life that probably know more than me, or if nothing else, you have given them wisdom that I need. I'm going to submit to that and I'm going to listen to that. And so notice in this story, Joshua is having the priest lead the way across the river. Now, he must have more wisdom than I have because if we're crossing the river into uh, enemy territory, I'm sending the tanks, I'm sending the helicopters, I'm sending the bombers, I'm sending uh, the, you know, the Navy SEALs, I'm sending the military might very first, amen? But Joshua's like, okay, we've, we've got some guys, we've got some fighters, no doubt about it. We've got some fighters in our ranks but we're sending the preachers in first. We're sending the ministers in first. And I'm not trying to insult guys like me, but I'll just tell you, I'm not much of a fighter in that realm, amen? <laughs> I know, it's surprising because you look and you're like, man, he's so buff. How is he not a fighter? But that was not a joke, but whatever. You guys are so mean to me, so mean. You give me some Snickers and some tea and then you make fun of me. So whatever, but... But no, for real though, listen, listen, I get it. I get it. I would be sending in the snipers and the, and the, these guys, but Joshua, according to the wisdom from God says, we're sending in the ministers first, then everybody else can go across. Why is that? This is wisdom from God and he's sending the spiritual leaders of that day across the Jordan River. And they were carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And I understand that not everybody knows what that is, but in a very brief explanation, the Ark of the Covenant was this chest that contained, at that time, the presence of God on earth. Now, in the New Testament, uh, we have the Holy Spirit. We can have the presence of God in us and with us every day, everywhere we go because of the new covenant that Jesus made. And I, for one, am incredibly grateful for the new covenant. Amen. It's a better covenant with better promises, Hebrews 8, 6. But at this time, this is where God's presence was contained in the Ark of the Covenant. And there was a few other very significant things they kept in there. Um, they had uh, some manna that uh, they stored in there. They had the Ten Commandments in there. And they had Aaron's staff, his rod that they kept in there. And these were all significant and important things. But the Ark of the Covenant was a very holy thing. And you weren't allowed to just go touch it and be like, hey, it's the Ark. Let's give it a high five. Can I get a selfie? Somebody, let's put this on Instagram, everybody. Ah! No. Why? Because if you touched it and you weren't worthy, you died. Whoa. Yeah. And so it was a really big deal. But Joshua sends, check it out, the spiritual leaders and the presence of God before everybody else. And so, in other words, the people were to follow their spiritual leaders and the presence of God into the promised land. Joshua knew how important God's presence was and God's leaders were because he learned it from Moses. I want you to look, hold your place, go to Exodus 33 real quick. Amen. We're going to flip over really quick to Exodus 33. And we're going to see here that when Moses was leading the people and God was instructing them to move forward, Moses said something very, very interesting that I believe should be the attitude of every single one of us. So Exodus 33, 
verse 15 in the New King James, Exodus 33 and verse 15. And so here's what Moses says to the Lord when the Lord's telling them, move forward. It's time to go. Moses says this, Exodus 33, 15, New King James. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. And so in other words, if your presence isn't going to go with us, I don't want to go. I don't want to, I don't even want to go into the promised land if your presence isn't there with us. Moses valued the presence of God so much. He's like, if you're not going, I'm not going. What if our life attitude was that way? What if we said, you know what? I've got some dreams. I've got some visions. I've got some places that I want to go. But God, if you're not going, I'm not going. If, if, if you don't go with me, I'm not going. What an attitude to have. And so do you see why Joshua, Moses, you know, trainee, his, 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 his man, do you see why Joshua would say, no, oh no, no, no. The presence of God goes first and then we follow the presence of God. We are not getting ahead of God. And there's sometimes that surely God maybe called you to something. God maybe made a promise to you, but you need to know you don't want to get there ahead of God. You want to stay right behind him, following him step by step. It is dangerous to get out ahead of God and rush things and then be like, hey, what happened? You said this land belonged to us. And he's going to say, yes, I said that, but you should have let me go in first. So it is so important that we get this. Amen. And so right here, leading the way into the promised land, these people, the Israelites, were to follow the leader, follow their spiritual leaders. And then number two, the next thing that took place, they were told to purify themselves. All right. And so getting into the promised land, purify yourself. And we're going to look at Joshua 3, 5, Joshua 3, 5. And, uh, you know, this, this may not be one of those verses that everybody likes to hear, but this says a lot to me. Joshua 3 and verse 5. Then Joshua told the people, purify yourselves for the tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. Purify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. Joshua knew that they had to be clean spiritually before they could take on the job ahead. And after they crossed the Jordan, they were going to have to fight some battles. They had to take Jericho down. Then they had to go from city to city and start clearing the bad guys out. That's what they had to do. And I know this much that in my life, I don't ever want to be spiritually unclean. I don't ever want that. But I'm also extra cautious when I know that I'm in the middle of a battle. I know this. And as Christians, we're supposed to live clean and pure lives. Does anybody else know that? Right? This shouldn't be, you know, shocking news. This shouldn't be a, you know, uh, a slap across the face. But as Christians, we're supposed to live clean and pure lives. You can't have God's presence and the presence of active, unrepentant sin in your life. It's 2023. I'm not even supposed to say that anymore, but I don't care. I'm going to read the Bible today. Amen. People don't want to hear that. 
But it's true. Why? Because God is holy. God's holy. That means what holy means set apart, separate, different. God is set apart from everything else in this world. Yeah, well, that's God. Well, in first Peter, Peter's warned us. He said, be ye holy as he is holy. God says, be holy as I am holy. I am not supposed to be like everybody else. And I mean, you can do that if you want, but don't think that you're just going to march right into the promised land, take giants down, bring walls down and claim the victory. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Why? Because God, again, God has a way of doing things. And he laid out some very, very good instructions for us right here in the book of Joshua. And so you understand that some things are holy. You you know that, right? I mean, I'm not trying to, you get that. And, and, and so, you know, there is a certain way that we act at church, right? Come on. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, there's a certain way that we act up at the altar here. We don't, we don't go doing stupid things, watching stupid videos, telling stupid jokes, saying stupid words. We don't do that. It's a holy place. And someone would say, well, that's old school. That was back in the, no, 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 no. I liked how it turned out in the old school because they made it into the promised land. I like that. Uh, that's how I want to live. I want to be there. And so there are some things that are holy and sacred. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, the apostle Paul gave a, a list of what the end times would be like. He said, this know also, Timothy, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of themselves, covetous, boastful, blasphemers, deceivers. And he said all these things, but, but, but he said this. He said, at the last days, Timothy... The people will consider nothing sacred. Nothing sacred. And nowadays, if we say something sacred or something's holy or, hey, you're a Christian, you know you shouldn't be doing that. They're like, you have a controlling spirit. <laughs> like, you got a religious spirit. You got blah, 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 blah. You, you're this and you're that. And like, okay. And you know what? Your Bible prophecy taking place in front of my eyes because you don't consider anything sacred or holy. How about that? Amen. How about that? Let's talk about that. And so I'm just telling you, and why, why do I even talk about this stuff? Why? Because I, I want to get into the promised land God has for my life, but I look at this room, hundreds of people. I want all of you to get in to the promised land that God has for you. And if I see, amen, if I see how God said, you get into the promised land, I want to tell you, and then it's up to you. If, if you know, you, you can obey or disobey, it's fine either way. It's up to you. But if you want to get into the promised land, it's going to be on God's terms, not on your terms. And Joshua said, hey, everybody, we're getting ready to go. Get ready. Purify yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do great wonders among you. Who wants to see the miraculous wonders of God? Amen. Who wants to see God clear away, stop the water, take you through it and into the promised land. And so we have to purify ourselves for the task ahead. We have to clean some things up because you don't get to take sin into the promised land with you. In fact, sin will keep you out and it kept the Israelites out for 40 years. 
What was it? The sin of fear, the sin of doubt, the sin of complaining, the sin of being nasty. They got kept out of the promised land for 40 years. It kept them out. Sin will separate you from God. And there is nobody that I've ever met that's more miserable than a person who has created a separation in their life from God. I've never seen anybody so miserable as somebody that was at one point tight with God and then created a separation between them and God. It's a very sad and miserable place to be. And King David, who knows who King David was? He was an incredible man of God. But at one point in his life, he committed some very high level sins. We know this. Uh, but in, in 2 Samuel 11, all right, we're getting ready to look at Psalm 51. You can turn there and I'll, I'll catch you up on the backstory to this one. But in 2 Samuel 11, uh, David is out walking on the palace roof one day. And in fact, it's interesting because the chapter says it was the time of year that kings are supposed to go to war. Well, David was not supposed to be hanging out at the palace. He was supposed to be out on the battlefield, but he wasn't where he was supposed to be. So David is walking on the palace roof one day and he sees a beautiful woman taking a bath. Coincidentally, her name is Bathsheba. All right. I always thought that was a little bit... I don't know if there's a connection. Bath was taking a bath. Anyway, either way, David was not where he was supposed to be. And so he sees this and he should have looked away, but he sends some of his men to summon her to the palace and he commits adultery with her. And we're talking about God's man, the man of God doing a horrific thing. And so her husband is a man named Uriah the Hittite, and he's one of David's best soldiers. Well, you know, David finds out that he got Bathsheba pregnant. So he arranges for her husband, Uriah, to be killed on the battlefield. And the sickest part of the whole story, I think, is that David even has Uriah deliver the letter to the general down on the field with the instructions for his own death. I'm like, David... That's messed up. <laughs> and so Uriah delivers the letter and the instructions were have all of the army charge the lines. Then all of a sudden everybody pull back, but nobody give Uriah the memo. He'll be standing there like a sitting duck and he'll be all on his own and he'll die. And that's what happened. And Uriah died on the battlefield. And so one day a prophet named Nathan comes and talks to David and, and tells this story. And anyway, uh, he calls David out. <laughs> he calls him out. And David is crushed. He is embarrassed. He is crushed. And he knows I, there's no defense for this. And he knows that he did the wrong thing. And these are some level 10 sins right here. I mean, this is, I'm just going to be honest. This is some really bad stuff. And I know people tell me all the time, all sin's the same. Well, I don't believe that, so you can believe that if you want to. I believe that all sin separates us from God, but I don't believe that all sins are equal. And, I, you know, there's several scriptures that tell us hey, some sin even leads to death. Not every sin leads to death, First John says. But all sin does separate us from God, but committing adultery and having someone killed is worse than a little kid sneaking bubble gum into fifth grade at school. And I don't care what you say about that. It's worse. 
Saddam Hussein committing mass genocide is worse than me jaywalking across Main Street this afternoon. They're both bad. They're both sins. I need to obey the laws. But you cannot tell me that what David did right here was not a super horrendous high-level sin. It's bad. And so Psalm 51, David writes this psalm during a time of sorrow and repentance. And and it's an incredible psalm. Uh, it's actually, uh, it's kind of a hard one to read because it's... It's gut-wrenching because David is so desperate to get things right with God. If you read Psalm 51, you're reading the words of a broken man that committed some high-level sins and drove a wedge between himself and God. And he's saying, God, take me back. Forgive me. Psalm 51, verses 10 and 11, David says, Create in me a clean heart. Oh God, renew a loyal spirit within me. But I want you to see verse 11. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. And so I look at this and what am I talking about? The value of the presence of God. Joshua had it, Moses had it, and David had it. Because right here, a lot of people, I know people today, that if they were caught doing the same thing that David got caught doing, their prayer wouldn't be, oh gosh, don't take your presence from me. Their prayer would be, don't let anybody else find out about this. Don't let this hit the internet. Don't let the community find out about it. God, hide this. Protect me. Hide this. Don't let anybody know what I did. Don't let me lose my job or my money or my reputation. Don't take it away from me. But David, he had a lot more to lose than we did. He had the entire kingdom. He had a lot of money. He had a lot of fame. He had a lot of power. He had a lot to lose, but he didn't bring any of that up. He said, don't take your presence away from me. What an attitude and what a prayer. And so I'm just presenting for your consideration today that if these holy Men of God valued the presence of God more than money, more than their reputation, more than their power, more than anything in this world. We better have a value for the presence of God. And if I know that there's some things in my life that are driving God's presence away, I better kick those out the door and shut the door and get away from it. Because sometimes there's things in my life, there's sins of commission. I'm committing a sin. I am wronging somebody else. And then clearly there are sins of omission where I am omitting or just uh, not doing what God is telling me to do. If God's been telling you to do something about it, you know, I heard somebody say this the other day, you know, sometimes someone will get up and kind of act all spiritual. Man, God's been dealing with me for months now. God's been dealing with me for years now to do this. So I'm going to do it. You know how stupid that sounds? God's been dealing with you on something for years and you didn't do anything about it? My gosh, man, that's not obedience. That's craziness. If God's been dealing with you on something to step out in faith, to start doing something, my goodness, just do it. Well, I didn't commit a sin. Well, you didn't do what was right. I think it's James 4, 17 says, to him who knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him, it's a sin. 
Well, it's not like I beat somebody up. I just didn't go, you know, share the gospel like Jesus told me to. It's just as bad. It's a sin. And, 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 and it'll keep us out of the promised land. And so if there's things in scripture that we know to be true, but we just simply don't feel like doing, listen, it'll keep you out of God's best for your life. Who wants God's best for their life? I mean, I, I want it. I, I, I don't even feel like I'm being selfish. I want God's best for my life, for my household, for my children, for our church. I want God's best. And if I'm going to be rebellious, it is not going to happen. We've got to be obedient. I mean, we got people, you know, that they know clearly the Bible says in Hebrews 10, 25 to actually go to church, not only watch it online, but they won't obey it because, you know, they, they're not comfortable. And I love our online people. Love you so much, but listen, (laughs) listen, you need to actually show up and go to church. I don't feel like it. Well, that's rebellion because the Bible says otherwise. And the Bible also says that rebellion, God told King Saul, is just as bad as the sin of witchcraft. So, I mean, if you wouldn't go out and mix potions and make sacrifices to, you know, the the moon or something like that, then, hey, you need to obey the word of God when it's telling you to do something. Because rebellion is just as bad as the sin of witchcraft. Amen. Are we having a good time today? Did we? Okay. All right. Not going to that church. My gosh. Wow. That guy's crazy. I'm not, I mean, yeah, yes, yes. But at the same time, we can clearly see from the word of God today that two of the mightiest and most successful men in the Bible placed a super high value on obeying God and having his presence in their lives. We need that too. Amen. Number three, let's go. We'll move forward here. Number three, we're going to talk about, you got to take a step of faith. Take a step of faith. We're going to go back to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3. Who wants to get into the promised land? Amen. Amen. God's got one for you. We all know that we have the promised land of heaven. I get that. Amen. I'm looking forward to that. But I know that God's got a promised land. God's got some blessings for me here on earth before I ever cross over into heaven. And so here we are. Joshua chapter three, we're going to look at verses 14 through 17. Here is this incredible moment where they actually crossed the Jordan river. It says, so the people left their camp to cross the Jordan and the priest who were carrying the Ark of the covenant went ahead of them. We just talked about this verse 15. It was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks so this is, I mean, it's, it's flooding. It, it, the river's flooded and it's rushing. But as soon as the feet of the priest who are carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, as soon as their feet touched it, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people 
crossed over near the town of Jericho. Verse 17. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. There it is. They crossed the Jordan River. And it was a step of faith to put those feet into the water. As it clearly said right there, this wasn't just a little stream. This wasn't just a, you know, a cute little river. This was the Jordan River at a flooded level overflowing the riverbed, rushing. And here they are. And this wasn't just a group of five friends that were going to make their way across the river. This was, by most estimates, at least three million people. Three million people. And notice a good thing about these godly leaders is they were the first ones in and they were the last ones to leave. They stood there holding this Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders probably until everybody had safely made it through. Who knows how long this took, but three million people. I have a hard time getting five kids into a minivan to make it to soccer on time can't do it. I still don't know. I mean, I, I have no idea how that happens, but, but to get 3 million people across the river, I mean, I don't know how long this took, but I know that God was involved in this situation. Now the people were prepared, purified and prayed up but it was time to actually take the step of faith. And you're going to come to this place in your life too. I'm going to tell you that right now. To get into the promised land, you're going to have to eventually put your feet in the water and trust that God will make a way. Sometimes you're like, yeah, when God parts the water, then I'll go. Well, what if God's not going to part the water until you take a step of faith? Sometimes, yeah, yeah, I'm waiting on God. I'm waiting on God. And yes, wait on the Lord. Amen. Wait on the Lord. But sometimes he's saying, okay, take that step. You've got to take the first step. Amen. You got to take the step. And that's what happened here. Sure. God could have just miraculously transported them all the way. He could have built a bridge. I don't know. There's all sorts of things he could have done, but God chose to challenge them in this way to actually take a step of faith. And did you notice that nothing happened? The water did not stop until their feet got in to the water. Now, sometimes you can speak to the situation. Amen. You know, we know Mark 11, 23, 24, you know, speak to the mountain. Sometimes you can speak to this situation and cause a breakthrough before you even have to face it. And sometimes God is still going to require you to just go ahead and take that step while the mountain is still right there, while the river is still right there. God will do the miraculous. He will come through for you, but you got to know you have a role to play in the promised land. I love something that Martin Luther King Jr. said. He said, take the first step in faith. You don't have to see the whole staircase, just the first step. And oftentimes people are like, yeah, I'll I'll take the first step when I can also see five, six steps down. Well, sometimes God's not going to allow you to see that far down. Sometimes he's just going to say, 
take the first step, and then I'll, I'll put the next one there when it's time for the next one to be there. I've seen this so much in my life. You know, Psalm 37 says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. God will order your steps, but you got to take one before you know what the next one is going to be. If you have to see it to believe it, if you have to see it before you'll obey God, that's not faith. Faith believes without ever even seeing it. These guys, they didn't know exactly what was going to happen when they stepped into the water. They just knew God said, do it. So something's going to happen. We have no idea. So they stepped in and then boom, God made the miraculous happen. So what are we talking about today? Follow your spiritual leaders, purify yourselves, take the step of faith. I just learned this this week. I should have known it sooner. But in 1969, when Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin landed on the moon, you should know if you took a history class that Neil Armstrong was the first person to step foot on the moon. But I didn't know this part. Buzz Aldrin uh, was still in the, you know, the, the rocket there or whatever. And, and before he took his steps, before he got out and took his steps, he actually got permission from NASA to bring communion elements with him. He literally took communion on the moon right there and said, before I take these steps, you can look this up. This is factual historical information. He took communion on the moon and purified himself before he took the biggest steps of faith in his life. Because to this day, as of 2023, only 12 human beings have ever walked on the moon. That is a very small percentage of the human population over the history of the world. And this is one of those guys. And so he brings communion elements. He takes communion and he reads John 15, verse 5. It says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. And so everyone thinks, oh man, it'd be cool. To walk on the moon. It'd be cool to do something great for God. It'd be cool to see a miracle. It'd be cool to be a part of a miracle. And God wants you to be a part of a miracle. God wants to do a miracle in your life. But he's calling us to purify ourselves before we take that step of faith. But I have found out that God is good. And when we obey him, when we do things his way, he has a miraculous way of just causing everything to come together and the path to be made straight before us. Isaiah 26 says that he is a good God. He straightens the path in front of us. And so God has a miraculous way of straightening things out and showing you and leading you step by step and getting you miraculously through the water, through the fire, taking down the giants, bringing down the walls and getting in to the promised land that he has for your life. Everybody wants the promised land, but not everybody wants to do what God is requiring before we get in there. And so I always like to lead us to a point of decision as we, uh, as we minister and as we, uh, share the word of God. And so my prayer is today that God has spoken to you 
in some way because by uh, by the way of survey earlier, approximately 85% of this room believes that there is a promised land for their life and they do want to go to that promised land. Amen? And so my prayer today is that God has spoken to your heart, that he's talking to you and maybe showing you some things that maybe we need to quit doing and also maybe he's showing us some things that we need to start doing in our lives because the times are very serious. I believe this with all my heart. I do believe in a rapture. I do believe that someday we will hear the trumpet call of God. We will see the skies part and we will literally see Jesus Christ coming on the clouds with great glory. And I want to go in that moment. I don't care to stick around and find out what happens after that moment. I pray for everybody that is left behind here, but I want to go out on the first bus load and I, I don't, I, I want to be gone. <laughs> I want to be gone. And so I know though that if I'm going to live in rebellion and disobedience and my own way, I mean, I don't know everything. I just know that there's no guarantee, uh, that if I'm living life on my terms and I'm calling the shots and I'm being my own Lord, I don't know, man. I just, I don't know that, that I've got a guarantee that I'm going out on that first bus load. And so we could preach in times. I'm not trying to go there today, but what I am saying is this times are very, very serious. It is not the time to be playing games with God. It is not the time to be lukewarm with Jesus. It's the time to be more serious than you've ever been in your life. To cling to him. To keep your family attached to him. And then when that day comes, yes, I believe we will go to heaven in that rapture. Amen. And... Uh, and I don't, you know, there's a lot that takes place after that. But I want to be in heaven with Jesus. Amen. Can we stand up together today? Hallelujah. Did we receive from the word of God this morning? Amen. Amen. Well, I believe that the Lord is speaking to some people today. And and you know if he is. And, you know, again, you have free will. You can do what you want to do with that. You can stiff arm Jesus and call your own shots. Go ahead. But I would recommend that if the Lord is dealing with you today, if the Holy Spirit is convicting your heart, this would be a wonderful day to make things right with God, to listen to him and to obey his word. I'm going to give you right now the absolute best chance you will ever have in your life to invite Jesus in and to get things right with him. Because some people are like, yeah, I, I believe and I'll get around to it. I, I I'll get there. I'm just not ready yet. Well, what if Jesus comes and you're still in the valley of decision? In the book of Joel, it says millions of people are in the valley of decision. And it is right there that the great and terrible day of the Lord will arrive. There's going to be millions of people when Jesus comes back. And they were just kind of waiting there, procrastinating. And it's, uh, it's just not a great idea. Because we don't know, man. We, we don't know what all the next few days, weeks, months, years hold. But I, the one thing I do know in life is that I know one thing for certain, that Jesus is real. And then if I've got things right with him, I've got nothing to worry about. We're going to be okay. Amen. I want to pray with you today.
I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And, uh, and, and I, I would, I, my hope is that you would pray this and believe it with all your heart. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, if we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes? We want to pray this together today. Could you say, Father in Jesus' name, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died, that he rose again, that he's coming back someday. Jesus, forgive me for anything wrong I've done. Give me the strength to live for you. My life is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord some praise today? All right, listen, if you're here and you prayed that today, and this was, it was real, all right? You weren't just blowing smoke, saying words to make everybody happy. You prayed this and you meant it, all right? This is Jose right here. He's going to be standing over here. Check this out. We've got a program called Spiritual Personal Trainer. And what we'll do is we will connect you with another Christian from the church, a strong, mature Christian. That would take the next 30 days. They'll take the next month and mentor you. They will, every day, they're going to text you a Bible verse. They're going to text you a devotion that we've written. And they're going to be praying with you. If you've got questions, they'll talk to you. They'll meet with you here at the church. And uh, and, and it's just the best thing that we can do to help you stay on the right path and keep your commitment to Jesus. Amen. If you're interested in that. While we're praying for people in just a minute, go see Jose. He'll get your information, and we're going to connect you with somebody. Amen. All right, uh, I'm going to have my prayer team come up this morning. If you're here and you need prayer for anything at all, you need prayer for healing, you need prayer for your finances, for your marriage, for your family, we're going to pray for that. Amen. And uh, we just ask, here's my request for you. Um, if you don't need prayer, but you're just here in the sanctuary, I ask that you would be reverent for those that do need prayer uh, because we have people that come up here. They've been waiting all week long to get into this prayer line and receive prayer. And they're expecting God to answer them. They're expecting God to do a miracle in their lives. And it's so important that you have their back. Either you're worshiping God or you're praying for them, but you're not watching TikTok videos. You're not looking at your fantasy football score and you're not talking about, you know, what you're going to eat at KFC today. Listen, you're praying for these people or you're worshiping Jesus for just a few more minutes. Amen. All right. Pastor Josh is going to lead us in worship. If you need prayer for anything at all, please come up and we would love to pray with you. Thank you. 
already received from the Lord today. Amen. What an awesome day to be in the presence of God together. Hallelujah. Well, we got some ministry taking place here. We'll be reverent of that, but... We want to remind you uh, that we've got service tonight at 6 o'clock. Uh, the intentional parenting class is from 4 to 5.30. And so if you signed up, be here for that. And if you're interested to see what it's like, just come on out tonight, 4 to 5.30, intentional parenting. And uh, praise God, I feel like I'm forgetting something, but I don't know what it was. So anyway, was I forgetting something? Do you know? Okay. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, I, I had something. I remember what it was. So anyway, let's go ahead and we will close out in prayer today. Amen. And uh, then we're going to say our Barstow faith confession. Hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, uh, for what we've seen in the word of God today. And Lord, we know that you have a promised land for each and every single one of us, Lord. And I pray that we'll be obedient, Lord, that we will be submissive to your word, even if we don't understand it sometimes, even if we uh, just aren't feeling it or even in in agreement with your word. It doesn't matter, Lord. We're going to submit and do what you say to do because we know you're trying to get us, Lord, to where you called for us to be. I pray for your blessing to be on every single family that is here today, Lord, every single individual uh, that is with us in the name of Jesus, that the blessing of God is upon them and that we are the light of the world. Use us this week to show your love and your goodness to those around us. We love you. We praise you in Jesus name. Can someone say amen? All right. I know I remember what I was going to say. Isn't that great? Uh, listen, if you're with us for the first time today and you've got an info card and filled it out, a visitor packet, see Heather back there. She has a gift for you. Got a gift card and a, I mean the, the absolute best coffee mug you have ever seen in your life. It is, it's fire. You're going to love it. Amen. But uh, make, turn in your info card and Heather's got something for you today. Amen. Let's speak some words of faith up Barstow. Let's go. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen.